All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Mark Nagy. And you can follow him, of course, at Mark Nagy on Twitter. He's the author of The Decade of Dysfunction. I mean, he literally wrote the book on what uh, what's going on up there on Rocky Top and all the dysfunction that's been since uh, Philip Fulmer left. He writes for Saturday Down South, his new column, The Prevailing Thought, after Jeremy Pruitt's firing. It was supposed to be different this time. Thanks for joining us, Mark. I really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to this. This is great. So my first question right off the bat here, how deep are you into the sequel to Decade of Dysfunction? (laughs) Well, I decided that this time around, I'm going to write it as it goes along. That way I don't pop up at the end of the 2027 season and just have to bang it out in a couple of months. I think that those are 120 hour weeks and that's just too much. So this time around, I'm just going with it as each day goes on. And certainly over the past 30 days or so, we've, we've, had, a, we've had a lot of content. So it, there's never a, uh, never a boring time at Tennessee. So yeah, the, the sequel should be out in spring of 2028. So make sure that you all put a, uh, put a, put a reminder in your phone calendars. Yeah, and I can't recommend this book more. I know we've got a lot of Tennessee listeners to the podcast. I put the link to the Amazon posting for Decade of Dysfunction to make it easier for you guys to find. But again, like I said, I cannot recommend that enough. And we're currently living through the second decade. So, uh, you know, another question, can Tennessee, can they dig themselves out of this hole? I mean, we all know what Tennessee was in the 90s. That's, you know, when you were at school there. And um, I don't know, do you just ever see it getting back to that after just so much dysfunction? Well, you know, forever is a long time. And it's really hard to say what's going to happen 10, 20 years from now, but look at a lot of those programs that had success for long stretches of time. It it doesn't last forever. Um, I mean, Nebraska is kind of in the the same boat as Tennessee was, you know, dominant programs in the nineties and into the early two thousands. And since then it's just been a, you know, just wandering the, the desert I mean, even Alabama was kind of in the abyss for a while until they got lucky and were able to hire Nick Saban. I mean, think about it. What would that program be if Rich Rodriguez had taken that job as he was supposed to? Sometimes it's a matter of good timing. When you have a coaching opening, when you have coaches that are available, sometimes it's just a matter of luck. And so far, since the end of the 2008 season, after Phil Fulmer was fired, Tennessee has had very little luck, and uh, it's it's just continued to pile on and pile on, which makes the next hire obviously extremely important, and it just makes that next hire, makes that individual's job even, even tougher. Well, speaking of that next hire, that kind of leads into my next question. Uh, obviously, we all know by now Jeremy Pruitt fired for cause, according to Tennessee, due to the uh, internal investigation there up to uh, regarding alleged recruiting violations. And does the fact that uh, Tennessee, you know, certainly looks like they're going to be going out of their way not to pay Jeremy Pruitt his full buyout. We still don't have the full details of, of all what's going on there. But, you know, if they fight to not pay that buyout, does that hurt them, in your opinion, in the next coaching search? Uh, uh, perhaps. I think that what you're going to end up having happening is that there's going to be a, a meeting in the middle between Jeremy Pruitt and his lawyers and his agent, Jimmy Sexton and Tennessee's administration. I remember a few years ago when Florida dispatched uh, Jim McElwain mm-hmm. 
and they had reason to fire him from cause. And instead of having a long, drawn-out process, they met in the middle, and they gave him half of that buyout. That kept that whole story out of the news. It was really a small price to pay to not have that negative PR. I think that if Tennessee is smart, they are not going to fight this as long to have this just continually be in the news. I remember that there were so many lawsuits during the Dave Hart era at Tennessee when he was the athletic director, and so many of those could have been uh, settled very early on. Instead, Dave Hart, who was a, quote, likes to fight guy, end quote, he wanted to fight all of these things. And Tennessee still ended up having to pay millions. So sometimes it's just the smart thing to cut your losses. Tennessee has had a lot of losses right now. Uh, I Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the weeks and months to come. But I would be stunned if Jeremy Pruitt just goes quietly into the night and says, nope, I don't need any of that 12 plus million dollar buyout. I think that they'll fight and Tennessee would be wise to try to get this thing settled as quickly as possible. Now, I know it's very early in the process, but uh, are you hearing anything on just the violations? And, you know, it's probably way too early to even ask you about, uh, you know, repercussions and sanctions and and bull ban and anything like that. But, uh, you know, Tennessee's come out and, and suggested level one, level two violations are are you hearing anything behind the scenes on what exactly that in, internal investigation found? Everything that I'm hearing, to be quite honest with you, hasn't been confirmed by multiple sources. So the last thing that I would want to do is throw something out there without uh, you know, multiple folks telling me that that's exactly what had happened. But certainly if the chancellor is popping up on a press conference and is trying to you know, burn the Pruitt Bridge before he even gets off of campus officially, uh, that shows you it was pretty bad. Uh, they don't just throw those type of things out there with it without you know, those investigations coming up with something that was not ideal. I've been saying for weeks that Pruitt was going to be back in 2021. The only way he wasn't going to be back was if something serious came from the internal investigation. And by the events of today, January 18th, I think it's pretty safe to say that something fairly serious has come out. So I think you're looking at uh, preemptive bowl bans. I think that that's something that Tennessee would be wise to do. I think you'd probably be looking at scholarship limitations. So th- this is the type of thing. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Now, I assume uh, maybe you didn't have time. Maybe you did. But uh, if you watched the the press conference there with uh, on Monday, Philip Fulmer and the chancellor and the president. But uh, for anybody that missed it, Philip Fulmer, he didn't he didn't look too good to me. I mean, it we all know how much he loves Tennessee and just my opinion, it looked like he was very hurt by all this. And of course he's the one that hired Pruitt. So that probably just uh, hurts him that much more. But uh, how much do you think this, if at all hurts Philip Fulmer's legacy at Tennessee now that, uh, you know, this, this has been just a disaster. Uh, In the short term, I I think it, it is another stain on, on his, uh, on his legacy. Um, I mean, Pruitt was his guy. He was giving him every opportunity to succeed. And not only did he not succeed on the field for most of his three-year tenure, but now Tennessee is in a lot of hot water because of Pruitt and the people that Pruitt hired. I mean, it wasn't just Pruitt getting canned today. You know, it was nine other folks on that, uh, you know, assistant coaches and support staff and, and recruiting folks. And these were all Pruitt's guys. These are all people that Pruitt hired. So I, I think it hurts Fulmer to, the, to his core that he wasn't able to turn things around. I mean, that's what he was 
tasked with was to get Tennessee football back on track, and it certainly has not been back on track. I think that as time passes, people will remember more of the good stuff. Uh, They will remember the 150-plus wins and the two SEC titles and the one national championship as a coach. And I think people will honestly remember as time goes on what was going on in November of 2017. I mean, as bad as it seems like Tennessee is right now, Shiano Sunday and everything that wrapped around that was worse than it is right now. So, and Fulmer was the guy who came in and at least gave the image of calm at a time when everything was, again, worse than it is today. And that was a job that not a lot of people wanted and Fulmer took it on. And I think that we're going to, in years to come, look back at that and say, you know what? He was tasked with something that was really, really difficult. It didn't work out, but at least he was the guy there that tried to do what he could for Tennessee. I, I think that that's a problem that Tennessee's had for many years is that there were a lot of folks in positions of power in that administration and in the athletic department that had their own best interests at heart and not Tennessee's as a whole. And even though it didn't work out, I think it's difficult to say that Phil Fulmer did not have Tennessee's best interests at heart. Now, of course, Kevin Steele has been named uh, the interim coach, just hired, what was it, a week ago at Tennessee, but... uh, you know, he's a quality coach and longtime recruiter, defensive mind in the SEC. And I tried to make this point. It didn't. It's not coming across too well. I've, I've already seen on Vol Twitter. But I look at him at this point as Tennessee's version of Matt Luke. And I know, you know, nobody wants – I shouldn't say nobody, but, you know, the vast majority of fan base does not want Kevin Steele to be the head coach of Tennessee. But the reality is with possible – sanctions coming, possible bowl ban, and and everything that lingers with that, I just don't see how Tennessee is going to be able to attract a quality candidate until all that's worked out. And I just, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime in the immediate, uh, you know, time frame here. So my question to you is, could you see that where, I'm not saying Kevin Steele's the next Philip Fulmer, but maybe he's the coach for a season or two to steady the waters and then we find out if this guy can be a head coach, and if not, then once you're on the other side of any punishment, then Tennessee hires their version of Lane Kiffin, who's obviously at Ole Miss now. Well, remember January of 2010 when Lane Kiffin bolts Tennessee unexpectedly, and Mike Hamilton for three days goes all over the country, he and his folks trying to find a head coach, and gets turned down left and right, left and right, left and right. And they end up giving the job to Derek Dooley, somebody who was woefully unprepared and unqualified for the position. What they should have done then at that time, especially after they were turned down multiple times by, uh, you know, Will Muschamp, uh, Troy Calhoun, guys like that, they should have given the job to Kippy Brown on that interim basis for that year. He was the interim coach for the head coach for those three days. You give the job to Kippy Brown. If he succeeds, great. If he doesn't succeed, you've at least now had a year to get your footing and you've not made a panic hire. Instead, Tennessee made a panic hire and hired Derek Dooley. So I look to the Kevin Steele situation. Tennessee's not competing for a division championship next year, even if none of this stuff was going on. So what exactly are you expecting Tennessee to achieve in 2021? Give the job to Kevin Steele for 2021. If he succeeds, great. If he doesn't succeed again, you've at least had a year to get your footing 
gets all your ducks in a row, and you can take your time in figuring out who the next head coach is going to be. The other part of this is look at some of the names that are out there, guys who've just been fired, uh, Tom Herman, Gus Malzahn. It seems like these are some guys, at least a couple of those guys, aren't going to be head coaches in, like, in the near future. So they're spending a few months enjoying the buyout life. They're spending a few months resting, getting re-energized. They'll be ready to go when Tennessee inevitably is probably going to be looking for another head coach if it doesn't work out with Kevin Steele. So I think that that actually was the, was a shrewd move to bring him in when they hired him. I think that was the entire time they're like, look, if we have to fire Pruitt, we've got a former Power Five head coach uh, on the staff ready to go. And even though he didn't succeed at Baylor. Kevin Steele's still a guy that has that experience. He's a Tennessee grad. He's a two-time Tennessee assistant coach. So he's on that Tennessee tree. I think Tennessee could be in worse. Uh, you know, anybody who's looking for the best-case scenario, best-case scenario's been gone for for months and months. <laughs> uh, so, so I think. But if you could you know, having Kevin Steele there in place, I think is is actually a, a good thing. Is he is he the ultimate hire? Obviously not. But I think that Tennessee needs somebody like that to try to at least bring the image of stability when it appears that there is none. All right, enough of the realistic stuff. How much is it going to cost to bring Lane Kiffin home to Rocky Top? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think there's enough money for that to happen on either side. Uh, I always love the the Kiffin Kiffin line, get Lane Kiffin back to Knoxville. That will, will never ever ever happened um the the other part too is that you know because I've, I've also heard the same thing it's like well, okay well, this opens the door for Hugh Freeze now if you watch that press conference you realize that the last thing in the world that Tennessee is going to do is hire somebody with a lot of baggage with a lot of NCAA issues uh it's just not that's not going to happen so Hugh Freeze is not taking this is not getting this Tennessee job he'd he'd crawl here on broken glass to take that Tennessee gig. It's, it's just not going to happen. Tennessee is going to have to find somebody. If they have any skeletons in the closet, they've got to be buried really, really deep uh, for <laughs> folks don't, don't find them. So the, the Lane Kiffins, the Hugh Freezes of the world, I, I, they're, they're not going to be Tennessee's head coach in the near future. Well, speaking of Lane Kiffin, and I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I just want to hear what you have to say. You could probably go in any direction. But uh, which hire ended up hurting Tennessee the most? Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, or Jeremy Pruitt? That's a question that has no right answer and no wrong answer. (laughs) Um, Personally, I think it's the Kiffin hire just because everything happened after that. If you don't hire Lane Kiffin, if you hire Gary Patterson, which was a finalist when, when Kiffin got the gig, I don't think Tennessee skips much of a beat after Fulmer. Uh, Gary Patterson wasn't the, the sexy hire at that point like Lane was, but Gary, all Gary Patterson was doing was winning nine, 10 games a year. And that's all he's pretty much done since then. I mean, you look at his record and it really kind of mirrors what Phil Fulmer has done. And, you know, Gary Patterson now, they've got a statue of him uh, up outside the stadium at TCU. So I, I still think it's Lane only because of everything that happened after that. I know some people say, well, you know what? Well, what if Lane had stayed? Well, I think if Lane had stayed, I think Tennessee would have been close to the death penalty. 
Uh, that staff worked well beyond the echo of the whistle. And Tennessee was in line. If he's there for another year or two, I, I think that the, the violations that you're looking at with Tennessee today would be child's play compared to what the NCAA was going to dig up uh, in the early 2010s. All right, last question for you, Mark. Philip Fulmer calls you tonight and says, I just, just got done reading Decade of Dysfunction. You literally wrote the book on Tennessee's coaching searches and dysfunction in the last decade, and you're writing the sequel. What's your plan for fixing Tennessee football? Uh, that I think that it's not something that can be done with a, with a simple hire. Uh, I think it's the type of thing that has to, there has to be a complete overhaul of that entire football complex. Um, it's just, it hasn't worked there for a long time. Uh, this last hire, it certainly hasn't worked. Uh, they've got to find a way to, you know, move this thing into the, the 2020 decade. I mean, I, I remember always looking at when Nick Saban hired Lane Kiffin and people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. You know, cause Saban hates Kiffin and I think Saban still hates Kiffin, but Saban was smart enough to realize that they weren't going to keep winning if that offense didn't change. And now you look at Alabama's offense and I mean, that isn't necessarily the way that Nick Saban wants to play. I mean, Nick Saban would be happy with 10 to seven kind of games. Uh, but, but Nick Saban likes winning a lot more than he likes his style. So the, the, the good teams, the good coaches, the good programs, the good athletic departments are the ones that evolve with the times. And I think that Tennessee rested on their laurels for a long time. Uh, the, the fans are there. The tradition is there. The facilities are there. They pump the money in at levels basically just a little bit below Alabama. There's no excuse for Tennessee not uh, to be one of the more successful teams in the conference. So I, I think it's the type of thing that there's no easy answer to this, but they, they've got to completely overhaul that place because if you just make tiny little changes, then I think that you're going to basically have tiny little improvements, if any. All right, Mark, I really do appreciate you hopping on and dropping some knowledge. And again, I encourage all the listeners, go down to the show notes. There's a link provided. Go buy Decade of Dysfunction. And we're currently living the sequel. But uh, thanks again, Mark. I really do appreciate you. Absolutely. Have a great night.